This is episode 52 of Moon, P-Jug, and Hobbs. We don't have P-Jug again. In case you haven't heard, she quit the podcast. She was on from the beginning. So then I told people, you can actually send audio files of your audition to join us as one of the three main people, and you can replace P-Jug by sending those files to Moon, P-Jug, Hobbs, M-O-O-N-P-J-U-G-G-H-O-B-B-S at Gmail, and we got nothing. Yep. Nobody wants to be a part of this. Because <laughs> no one can remember the email address. It's so long. You know, so I'm going to work on that. Maybe I'll change the email address when we change the name of the podcast, because we're going to have to do that, too. And we just don't want people to lose us because we've established this massive audience. This thing is huge, sweeping the nation. And I think a lot of it is because of a segment we're going to do in just a little bit called Two Questions with Putin. <laughs> so you you got to come up with two questions for Putin, and I've got my two ready. But first, let's meet our guest today. I'm not going to tease him about his name because he shares it with a famous actor. It's Ryan O'Neill. Hey, Ryan. Good afternoon. Ryan's had his own real estate show, uh, and it's been on the air here in this market for years. Are you on KFAN still, or where are you at? Yeah, right now we're Saturday mornings, uh, 10 to 11 on News Talk, AM 1130 News Talk. So we're doing the Minnesota Real Estate Show every Saturday and uh, having a little fun with it, trying to solve the uh, the world's uh, real estate problems. And boy, uh, have we got a real estate market that's nuts. Now, Hobbs actually is in the mortgage business, right? And so while we're doing these podcasts, occasionally she'll get a call from a frantic person trying to get a closing done. Usually not at the closing, but someone's writing an offer. I right. hope they're not calling me in a panic at the closing. That's not good. <laughs> that is not, when they're calling you at 4.45 on any day, panicked, that's not a good day. So if you Google the O'Neill Brothers piano, you'll see all these different links come up, uh, including their own website. And I read a little bit of your background on Wikipedia, and it said that you and your brother Tim started playing piano at age five. And then by age seven, you were already uh, accepted at Berkeley, right? <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Is that I had already written multiple compositions uh, and concerts. I mean, it just was overwhelming. Yeah. I mean, he was packing the place at age eight. <laughs> right. I thought I saw him on Star Search. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> right. America's Got Talent. Now, okay, so I also had to take piano lessons in a small town called Sydney, Nebraska. There was one piano teacher. She was in a wheelchair. And she was probably 85, 90 years old. I remember her very well because she had a pointer. And every time I would do something wrong, she would smack me with the pointer. Right. <laughs> and uh, so my first book, they had to teach me how to read music so that I could play music. Right. Right. And uh, I was terrible. My brother sat down. Boom. He had it right away. My mom and dad had a player piano, by the way. And I swear to God, 
it probably weighed 5,000 pounds. Mm. And how they got it into the room that mom played it in uh, was amazing because I thought they were going to have to sell the piano with the house. Uh, they did f find a way uh, to disassemble parts of it, but it had the player inside it. So when you were a kid, did you pick it up pretty quick at age five then? And who was your teacher? Uh, a gal in New Prague, uh, my older brothers and my sister had taken lessons from. So it was kind of uh, kind of sort of the, the neighborhood person. And uh, it was all, it was encouraged, I would say. Well, I mean, it wasn't forced. Our parents didn't force it. But it was encouraged, um, you know, to kind of be a well-rounded uh, young person uh, growing up. And so, um, so yeah, we all took lessons. And my brother Tim, who is uh, two and a half years older than I am, he ended up taking lessons also from uh, more of a classically uh, trained teacher in Jordan. So, yeah, the, you know, started at kind of a young age and, um, you know, took lessons, did the little recitals every year, which was always fun. You know, you'd have like your parents and and a couple of their friends show up and uh, that was always fun. But I love to play. It's just that, you know, I couldn't stay focused long enough. It mm. would be like I'm sitting there and we're doing the scales, learning the scales and stuff. And then all of a sudden I see a squirrel. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm gone for about a half an hour. Uh, and, and, you know, that was very important in our family, too, is music, because my mom loved choir. Uh, she loved to sing. And that was one of the things we all did at the holidays. And, uh, you know, my mom passed about six years ago. And I still hear some of those uh, sessions that we did in that Aww. small bedroom in the house in my mind and in my heart. And, uh, you know, it, it's, we had a great relationship. My brother also played the uh, trumpet. He was first, uh, first chair. Uh, and then my sister played the flute. And I played drums. I always wanted to be a drummer. I was fine with the bass drum. I was fine with the snare drum. But you add a couple of hi-hats and, a, you know, a couple of cymbals and a couple of toms on a drum kit. I am now completely lost. I can't use my feet and my hands at the same time. I couldn't multitask that way. So I gave up drumming. And But, you know, that's one of the things I've always, we talked about this last podcast. When I go to a concert, I don't just watch the lead singer. I watch all the people playing an instrument. And I try to hear everybody's instrument because that uh, collaboration, if you will, that's what makes the song. I really love music. I mean, one of the reasons I got into radio was because of music. I was driving around in my dad's tractor, listening to music all day. And every once in a while, somebody would butt in and say something stupid. I'm thinking, I could, I could do that. I could do that. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to derail you for a second, Moon. What's good tractor music? What's good plowing music? Uh, she thinks my tractor sexy. Okay. <laughs> is all a right. really good country uh, song. Okay. That's when almost anything by Jason Aldean. All right. Uh, Amarillo uh, Sky is, a, you know, one that talks about how the farmers don't get enough rain. And if they don't right. get enough rain, they have no crops and they go broke and lose their farms and stuff like that. I like hard rock. Mm -hmm. uh, my favorite uh, rock band is Foo Fighters. And Taylor Hawkins, the drummer, just died. And I'm still grieving that. It's been three weeks. I'm online every day trying to get an official cause of death. Nobody's talking about that yet. 
But yeah, I used to listen to music all the time, but I still, you know, would come back home and there was my mom playing the piano and it was fun That's to awesome. watch her. For you, uh, when did this thing become commercially viable uh, for you and Tim? And, and what are you thinking? Okay. The two of us, can we, can we play and actually make money doing this? How did that all start? Tim and I went to the same uh, college when he graduated uh, after getting done with, uh, with school, he moved, but he came back home to new Prague and uh, my dad was living at the time. And, and Tim came home and just said, Hey dad, you know, I basically, I really want to find a way to pursue my music. I, I love playing piano and I want to find a way to kind of make a living doing that. And dad was always super supportive of, whatever you wanted to do, you know, and, and really kind of like, you know, following your heart, following your passion and giving it a go. And so Tim uh, started recording uh, some original songs that he had written, but then also just some well-known cover songs, if you will, that, and then again, at the time it was more CD land. So, you know, started recording a, a CD or two. And then as I was getting done with college, you know, I was trying to determine what I wanted to do, you know, when I grew up. And, um, you know, we had played a lot uh, together, even in college, kind of played, doing some playing and singing and, you know, f fun dueling piano stuff. And so I thought, well, why don't I join Tim with the music business? And we started right after college and were kind of full time for a number of years selling our CDs through any and all types of avenues. It's a whole nother, like, different subworld. Like, if, if you have a a friend or a child or a cousin or someone who is very good at, let's say, making some type of handmade craft. There's all these shows around the country that you can go to. Mm -hmm. and, and again, you physically go there, you set up a booth, kind of like the state fair, but it's yeah. different than the state fair because people are actually coming to buy things. Yeah. They're not walking around eating a prano pup and you know, listening to music, they're coming with like 200 bucks in their pocket and they're there to spend, to buy lots of different things. So we got on this circuit of all these craft shows and probably did Ooh. like 30 of them a year. So people are listening to the music. They don't care who we are. They don't say, oh, you know, we know, you know, you guys, they maybe say, well, oh, I like piano music or I like that particular cover tune or I like that song. So it was more that they're they're buying the genre of music, the sound of music, and not so much the name because they don't. Again, hey, we don't we don't know who you are, um, and so doing a lot of those shows really sort of started the ball rolling. And uh, yeah, it's a it's a way that even now to this day, a lot of these shows are still all over the country. And I have some friends who are artists, some who do a variety of homemade things, arts and crafts that that they're on this show circuit, and you can do really well on it. How has that changed the way people hear your music with all the social media stuff? Yeah, I mean, what's happened in probably the last five, ten years now is with the advent of, of uh, you know, Spotify and, and all of the digital streaming for artists. A lot of artists have fought that, of course, because they, they want, hey, I want, we want people to buy our stuff, buy our records. Um, but now with so many people on there and everyone going that direction now with artists getting paid basically per stream, it's, it's really leveled the playing field that anyone out there, any, um, you know, any artist 
who maybe is not doesn't have a huge record label or doesn't have the huge production or the money is they're able to get get noticed and get their music onto Spotify. And and what what's happened, what Tim has done, which is kind of interesting, is that you, it's it's almost like real estate. You have to kind of have a broker, if you will, that you go through to get on the platform. And so what Tim has done is is kind of become a little broker where other artists who play different um, instrumental stuff, relaxing piano music, wedding music, lullaby music, all this stuff, he's kind of taken it all together into the O'Neill Brothers group and and had these you know has these channels essentially that allows a variety of these different artists to have their music put onto Spotify. I wonder what they do get paid for a stream. Because when you look at yeah. YouTube, for example, uh, and you see uh, a certain song by Olivia Rodrigo or whoever has fifty million streams, I mean, you're thinking, well, they can't be paying a dollar a stream, right? You know. YouTube is a little bit different because of its because its views, not streams. And so it depends on how you've monetized your channel. It's a little bit different than like on on podcasts or like a like a downloading a song or or things like that. But they don't they that's why a lot of the big artists like Taylor Swift pulled her stuff and all that. They don't they don't want like Garth Brooks, you could not I think you can get some of his stuff streaming now, but you couldn't get any of it on YouTube, anything. He allowed none of it. You had to buy his stuff. Right. Right. Couldn't get around it. Right. I remember when Neil Young pulled all of his music off Spotify because of the Joe Rogan podcast, and yep. that was kind of a big deal for a while. We, we ought to try to get Joe Rogan on this show. You should. Well, you know, because I used to have him on the air with us in Texas all the time. Yeah, because yeah, you actually know him kind of. So, yeah. yeah that, a little you bit. Know. And he's, in, he's in Austin, Texas now, but he's so big down there now. You know, with his podcast and all that stuff. I mean, every comedian in Austin and the surrounding area is trying to get on that show or trying to distance themselves from Joe Rogan. There's only two. <laughs> uh, I thought this was interesting about the O'Neill brothers as well. When you look at their website, it shows that you've had your songs featured on many massive television shows like The Office, Sex in the City. I mean, how did that come to pass? You get a phone call one day and somebody says, Hey, I'm from, you know, the office. Uh, where, how does that happen? Yeah. A lot of it is, is working with a good PR company uh, that uh, can make some connections to these different producers and different shows where, you know, they're looking maybe for a certain type of music or a certain song or a certain feel um, for a show, for a moment, for, um, you know, something that can fit with what they're doing. And so, um, so that's been kind of, you know, kind of fun, uh, you know, to, to work with, um, you know, work in that capacity as well. And, and that's, you know, that is the interesting thing with music just in general is um, you, you can have, you know, you can be a very gifted songwriter, perhaps you could be someone that is, um, that is more of a performer. Um, but, you know, there's so many aspects to that music business that much like any of the, the arts, it's kind of like, yeah, but how are you going to make a living at it? You know, that's nice. But really, I mean, how are you going to do anything with that? And that's where, um, you know, Tim and I have had fun with it. We're super grateful for the opportunity, for the time, uh, for, um, you know, the it's it's fun. I mean, it's 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 fun. It's fun for us to be able to to. 
um, to uh, to do it, to try to inspire other musicians, a lot of other young folks that maybe are thinking about it, but perhaps they don't have a supportive parent or they don't have someone that thinks, yeah, maybe you, you could do this. And so for us, it's now, you know, it's just trying to find a way to kind of give back a little bit to inspire other people looking to do uh, different things, kind of pursuing that dream that maybe they thought, boy, you know, there's no way I could ever get into that business or make a living at it. How about uh, the piano that you play on? Because you can actually hire the O'Neill brothers to come to you. And when I saw that, because I've seen you out before, okay, I'm thinking, okay, how do they get those massive pianos anywhere? I mean, do you have like a traveling piano or how does that work? Yeah, usually what happens is you'll, if it's a different uh, location, a lot of times they'll have something on site or they'll bring they'll bring that in as part of if it's an event or if it's a part of a show or something to that effect. Um, but, you know, when we used to do those craft shows, we had a, a uh, uh, if it was outdoors, we had an electronic uh, piano, electronic keyboard. Um, imagine that you're sitting outside in, you know, for example, Fountain Hills, Arizona, down in the sun in uh, Arizona in the springtime. It, it was a Thursday through Sunday show. You're sitting out there all day long, you know, playing, uh, playing piano, talking to people all day. Um, you meet a lot of interesting people, a lot of interesting people in the world. And, um, but it's, uh, it is kind of a fun way to make a living. You guys got into the Minnesota Music Hall of Fame. Tell me about that. The, the Minnesota Music Hall of Fame, um, I believe uh, it's uh, someone has to nominate you. I, I don't know who nominated us, but we were fortunate enough to uh, be a part of the uh, induction and to be inducted into the, the Hall of Fame um, down in New Ulm. Uh, it's a great, uh, great, uh, great little event. Um, and it was fun. It was it was totally fun and very unexpected. Um, a lot of interesting people who are in the Minnesota Music Hall of Fame, some very well-known folks, maybe through the pop culture world that people know, um, some lesser known folks, kind of in all aspects of music, too. That's the interesting thing is that, again, maybe it's a composer. Maybe it's someone who is more of a performer. Maybe it was someone that had a big impact on music in the state. But, um, but yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. We, there's a group of maybe like 20 of us that came down, family, friends. Um, we made a little night of it, had a little fun and, um, had a good time. I would like to know, and this might be a fun little game that we could try. I'm just coming up with this on the spot. Uh -oh. So, all right, hang on. Let you. me get my phone. Whenever he does this, <laughs> I'm going to name somebody that is in the Minnesota music hall of fame. And then Hobbs, you go next, Ryan, you're next. I'm going to start with. The O'Neill brothers. Hobbs, <laughs> <laughs> your enough. turn. Fair enough. I'm going to go out on a limb and say maybe Prince. He might Prince. be in there. You got it. I will go with Soul Asylum. Oh, yeah. Now, Moon, it's, uh, yeah, and see, the pressure's kind of on you now. <clears throat> Excuse me. My band instructor in New Prague, when I was growing up playing trombone, was a gentleman named John Henley. John was probably my favorite teacher wonderful guy, awesome musician. We had great bands growing up in New Prague. He's no longer living, but mm -hmm. John uh, uh, later in his life was inducted into the Minnesota Music Hall of Fame. So I tip my hat to uh, Mr. John Henley um, from New Prague, who was a 
longtime band instructor, and he's also a member of the Minnesota Music Hall of Fame. I'm going to go Jimmy Jam. Mm. Yeah, probably. How about, uh, you know, that, that one guy, Bob Dylan? Right. <laughs> <laughs> he did a couple things. You've got yeah. a list there in front of you. You got your computer in front of I do, you. I'm not even. I'm not even cheating. I, if Bob Dylan, really? You thought you think I cheated for that one? Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> how about no, when you said you about, got your list? You got your list in front. I I usually do because he he sprung one on me last week. We were filling time. Our guests couldn't make it. Um, <laughs> and he just threw this game at me. He's like, "Alive or dead?" I'm like, "I don't know. I don't know if they're alive or dead. I got to look." Um, well, but, that um, was after Gilbert Godfrey died. Yeah. Yeah, Tiny Tim, yeah. he's probably in there. Right. Do you know I was friends with Tiny Tim for a number of years? You told me that. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I worked at a radio station in Omaha, Nebraska, and we hired him for our Christmas party as the entertainer. And when he came out, he was wearing, which I thought was about the coolest thing of all time, his entire suit, which was custom fit to him, was nothing but cartoon panels. And so I walked up to him. We started talking and we, yeah, we were talking for a long time. Well, it turns out he had some kind of a weird like kidney disease or yeah. whatever. And so after all those years, we kept talking, me and Tiny Tim. Well, and, and then I was thinking, you know, one time we did this on the show here about people from Minnesota that were famous, mm -hmm. you know, and we got into the Josh Hartnett. Sure. Uh, let's see who else is big. Uh, Jessica Lang, Lonnie Anderson, Winona Ryder. Um, there's a lot of people. Louis Anderson, God rest. Jesse Ventura. Oh, Jesse, <laughs> the body. <laughs> I can't forget about the body. Yeah, he was something, wasn't he? Yep. But he wasn't anything like Vladimir Putin. And now, ladies and gentlemen, oh, God, it's time. Oh, it's time for two questions with Putin. Okay, so I'm going to be the one that starts. Okay, you go first. My first one is, have you ever lit your farts? That's the first question. All right. That's the first one. Yep. <laughs> have you ever lit your farts? Okay. Yeah. The second question is, what's your phone number? <laughs> right. What's your phone number? <laughs> yeah. Hobbs, your turn. What's your sign? And why is it uh, Aries? Because you're definitely the god of war. So definitely the God of war. That's right. Also, I do have a follow-up question. Who got your V card? Who'd you give oh. your V card to? We Ooh. want to find, we want to talk to her or them or whatever. Yeah. Let's see. Two questions for Putin. Mm -hmm. Yep. What's your favorite book? Okay. Are you on Instagram? Are you on Instagram? <laughs> <laughs> Every week we've been featuring uh, two questions with Putin. If you have two questions with Putin, you can email those to moonpjughobs at gmail.com. I wonder what an average day for Putin's like. So he gets up in the morning and obviously does some push-ups. And then he walks in and executes part of his staff. Oh, Putin. Oh, Putin. Now, let's talk real estate here for a little bit. Uh, you know, the housing market nationally is crazy. Yeah, prices are at the highest, you know, they've ever been in a lot of cities and places. And I can safely say that my house on Zillow, and I know that Zillow is just a guess. It's not firm at all. 
but it's kind of a maybe a little bit of a ballpark. My house is worth way more than I bought it for. Uh, you know, what do you think about it, Ryan? Do you, th- do you see this thing slowing down? I mean, Zillow says in Dakota County, uh, in Minnesota, we're looking at probably 11% gains again next year. It's been uh, very busy. I think 2021 was a record year for, I'd say, most real estate brokerages, teams, just as far as the number of transactions and helping people buy and sell properties. Uh, just a lot of people with amidst COVID that uh, took advantage of low interest rates, uh, took advantage of different working conditions, maybe working remotely, um, and ended up um, buying, you know, looking to buy uh, real estate. And so, you know, now as we, we get into 2022, I would say it's a little bit slower overall for most companies, you know, compared to last year at this time. But just a, a, a lack of MLS listed inventory. So there's just not as many choices for people. And, um, you know, that causes some people to say, you know, boy, we can't put our home on the market. Where are we going to move? You know, if we can't find a place. And so there's a little bit of uncertainty, I would say, with the market. There's some stress amongst the uh, agent population as well as, you know, for most importantly for buyers trying to get deals accepted. I've been in the industry a long time and it seems like there's always something every year. There's a, there's a challenge, there's a stressor, there's, there's something to overcome. And I think it's, um, you know, again, it's why I believe it's important to work with a really good agent helping you, you know, guide you through the transaction, buying or selling someone that can keep you informed. We have so many um, people moving to the twin cities from all around the country that that is also driving demand as well with limited construction. And so I do think we're going to continue to see prices kind of slowly rising, maybe not at the same pace that they've been going up uh, with, uh, but just um, generally speaking, um, more demand, just a lot of demand still uh, in our market. Where's our interest rate today? It yeah. depends on your, it depends a lot on your credit. On and, your credit? Uh, you know, there's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it depends on whether you're doing a 30 year, 15 year, 20 year, you know, so the, the 10 year, the, the least amount of time you're borrowing it, you get better rates. Um, I actually consulted somebody about doing an arm, which I haven't talked about an arm interest rate in a really long time, but they're not planning on being in the house all that terribly long. So right. in certain circumstances, it makes sense. You know, if you think like hard out, I'm out of here in three years because in this particular person's instance, they're on a contract for a certain amount of years with um, the airport. Like they're only going to be here X amount of time. And then they go on to their next contract. Well, in that instance, it's, you know, it's a relatively low risk, obviously, you know, some, but, but yeah, the rates are, but yeah, I mean, compared to, I had, I closed one in January that I locked in December at 2.875 on a 30 year fix for a first time home buyer. So for first-time homebuyers, that's where the squeeze is because our interest rates have almost doubled and that reduces the buying power. And that's because that's what I do is I specialize in first-time homebuyers. And so every time the rate ticks up a bit, their affordability goes down. But you need first-time homebuyers to buy the first house because people can't buy their second and third house if you don't have that first person to come and buy the cute little modified one and a half with a little tiny lot that's adorable, you know, to build the wealth. and. Um, 
you know, we do down payment assistance programs and all that kind of stuff, but there's, you know, there's more, way more demand than there actually are the funds to help everybody that could really benefit from it. Wouldn't you say though, Hobbs, it, it's perspective though, too. I think mm-hmm. for those first time home buyers, um, I was talking to a friend yesterday and, and, and I remember when I bought my first house in 2001, mm-hmm. well, it, I believe the rate I had was seven and a quarter. I think part of it is we've been used to such artificially low rates. Oh, no, you're absolutely right. It's I guess what I should be more I should be more clear with my intention. What I mean is I already have people out there looking. Right. And now they're not they don't have the buying power. Now I have to take away because the rates have have increased to the point, you know, and now we've got to reduce. And right. so those are, those are just tough conversations. Like, but I just was going to get a rate of three, 3% and I could buy 250 and it's like, well, you know, and so that's that, that part, but no, it is still, there's still, and I say that on a daily basis, like there's still good rates. I bought in 2000, it was 8.375 and we were thrilled because prime had been prime. The prime interest rate had been over nine for mm. like the longest time. So, yeah, I mean, historically speaking, they're amazing rates. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, For me, my credit rating, I get these bulletins. You can have your new credit rating is available. And I look and my credit rating went down. Mm. I have not done anything wrong. And that was the thing for me. I was so anal about ratings when I worked in radio. (laughs) That's what it is. This is flashback to your radio career. If I wasn't number one, I flipped out. Right. And I would wonder why. And I'd start digging around and trying to figure it out. And it really had nothing to do with me at all. Uh, you know, there was nothing that I could do to manipulate ratings. There's a company called Nielsen that sends out these little uh, things called a portable people meter. And people carry those things around. And it doesn't matter if you have the best show, you could be dead last. Or if you had the worst show, you could be first. It just all depends who has the meters and who's listening to whatever. And I mean, I still listen to the radio. I love radio. I've always loved radio. And when I had to step down, it just about ripped me a new one. Uh, You know, I loved it. And my last show was just about like having my heart removed. Mm. And, And, you know, my wife just said to me just two days ago, do you still like doing the podcast? Because, you know, we've been at this for coming up on a year. When she asked me that question, I don't like editing the podcast because it takes too much time. But one thing that really brings it home for me is I get to put on my headphones. And that was always my happy place. Mm. Right. For all those years, I went through divorces. I went through addiction issues. I went through loss of loved ones. I went through a lot of bad stuff like every human does in life. Uh, And what got me through was strapping on my headphones, playing some music and being a fool. And if I could, if I could just have those four or five hours a day to be in a happy place, that's where I wanted to go. I would have pulled a Tom Bernard, you know, Tom and I know each other pretty well. And this is actually broadcast on the Tom Bernard Network. If you haven't heard his show, he does it with his family. Uh, Click on it, share it, like it, do the same with this one. But, uh, you know, Tom, he at age, 
I think 67 or something like that. He signed like another eight or nine year contract, right? Why not? And I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, wow. well, and here's the thing with Tom. Okay. He has built such a loyal audience. I think that if he would just hum a song for five hours, people would listen. Uh, I had the honor of going on his show on KQ. He kept me on for like an hour and a half, and it was a blast. I told all my stories about, you know, weird medical things. He's lying, Ryan. There's no way he told all his stories in an hour. <laughs> With commercials? No. Oh, yeah. I'm still learning all the stories. We've been friends for about five years now. So. Was there ever a guest or someone that you can remember that just kind of comes to mind? Someone that just either totally threw something at you, totally off the wall, like unexpected, like, oh my gosh, we this was the segment we were expecting. Like like anybody who ever just sent you down a total direction that you had to you had to like think on your feet and like what are we gonna do to save this? I had and I brought this up on this podcast before, two guests come into the studio and they were both comedians. One was Richard Lewis and the other one was Cheech from Cheech and Chong. <laughs> Love it. Okay. And they wouldn't stop talking. And I was, our show was on uh, XM satellite at that point in time. So we were heard coast to coast and I had to take a break. Yeah. Right. And they wouldn't stop. And I kept trying to butt in. And finally I, I just said, Hey, you guys, we need to take a break and we'll come right back. And, and they said, a break. Right? And then they wouldn't let it go. And I didn't have a delay at that oh, point no. in time. Yeah, we didn't have a delay. Well, yeah, because if it's satellite, you don't. Okay. Uh, there was one time here, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to mention who it is. Okay. But there Be was here. somebody that I worked with. And on their very first day. Oh, I know the story. It's not me. No, it's not you. On their very first day, they slipped. Uh, when they started a song, this person had never worked there before. It was the first day. They say to uh, my partner and I, don't you ever get tired of playing Katy Perry? Oh, my right? gosh. And I hit the, the dump button. My partner hit the dump button, so we knew we had it. And I'm thinking, God, that was close. <clears throat> but guess what? On the stream, it aired. Yeah. Oh, no. Yep. And here comes the text messages by the hundreds. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. They're all saying, why did Chris say <laughs> uh, Well, you just said you weren't going to say who it was. Uh, you were just such a liar. <laughs> now you're going to get, now it's on the stream. Nope, you can't edit it. Here's a story, and this is honest to God. Do you want to talk about a fresh story? This one is yesterday fresh, okay? okay. I get an email from Stacy, my old partner. Mm -hmm. How's Stacy? And Stacy's doing great. Her work husband, Hutch, mm -hmm. had to have surgery on his back, so he's been oh, out for a little bit. Wow. Yeah. He's young. Ouch. And he's very young, yeah. So anyway, uh, we wish him a speedy recovery. But uh, I, this email that Stacy sends me was from a guy who was doing a documentary in 2005. There was a guy that was robbing banks all over the twin cities. 
And every single time he robbed a bank, he was wearing a fishing hat. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he was known as the fishing hat bandit. I worked at a bank when he was doing that. He robbed one of the ba- branches that I, when I worked at a bank, he robbed one of the branches. He robbed the one right across the street from the radio station. Fast forwarding through the story, the guy goes, the documentarian, if that's what they're called, um, goes to the prison to visit this guy, to talk with him. And he had just robbed a bank and there were two specific dates that this guy narrowed this down to, okay? There were two specific dates. On one of those dates, he had just robbed a bank, went out to his car and drove away with the money, and he turned on KS95. (sighs) On KS95, we were talking about the fishing hat bandit, Mm. and there was a teller that had been robbed on one of his previous, you know, bank robberies. And she was explaining how she couldn't sleep at night, mm-hmm. how she, she was terrified to go to work the next day. Yeah. And, you know, she didn't know if her kids were safe. I mean, obviously it got in her head mm-hmm. and it, it was very, very hard for her. And this was being listened to by the actual fishing hat bandit. And it had a big impact on him so much so that he brought it up to this thing. And now this documentarian is trying to find audio of that day right now. I mean, everything is recorded on all radio stations pretty much because it's Mm -hmm. digital. You just buy a bigger hard drive and there you go. But back then that wasn't the case. Yeah. Uh, So they're looking for audio. And then what I told Stacy was, I said, Hey, offer this up, offer an interview with the two of us that they could come out and we could, Okay. Uh, you know, remember, I'll, I could, I could hear myself already. I'll never forget that day when that phone rang and that caller was on, my heart was moved. I could mm-hmm. go on for days. Right. And, and I said, we can even bring in a fake caller and we can stage the whole thing. Right. You just want to get into a documentary, dude. Like you were, you don't even remember that day. You don't even remember that caller. You didn't remember any of that until Stacy sent you the email and there was interest. I'm already seeing you connect your fake dots right now, dude. Come on. 2000. Oh, I remember it. Like, no, you don't. No, you don't. I don't believe you. I don't remember what no, I had for lunch. That's what I'm saying. Like he wouldn't remember. I was his producer. I would run the board. He wouldn't remember what I was seeing five. He, what he was saying five minutes previously before, but anyway. Well, that's interesting that he was moved by the story of the teller and that you that you probably influenced him to commit more crimes because he didn't turn himself in. No, he did not. <laughs> I would like to be in a documentary or a movie of some sort. Yeah, we know. Um, uh, I tried to get in the Zach Sobiak Clouds movie. No, nope, right? he got cut um, off. They cut me out of that deal. That's um, not fair. Well, he had nothing to do with it. It's not that he was cut out. He just that's didn't right. have any part in it. I went to his mom and I'm like, can you just put my elbow in it or anything? He's such a, he's such a, I think that's why he's, he's been really excited about you being on our podcast, Ryan, because he is, you're going to bleep this, but he's such a star. F- he really is. Like, oh, <laughs> oh, broadcasting minute or the music hall of fame. Wow. <laughs> well, come on in, Ryan. Great to have you. She does stand up comedy under the name Tiffany Norton. Yeah, under the, it's my name. Yeah. 
it's like it's an assumed name. Well, you're Hobbs now, but you're Tiffany yes. on stage, right? Yeah. So yeah. then, uh, do I don't do any... musical stand up, just stand up. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, do you have any uh, gigs coming up, Hobbs? There's a fantastic show, and it's called the Monday Night Comedy Show, and it has been running. This is going to be the 15 year anniversary, and a dear friend of mine, Andrew Brindelson, has been running it, and it started out back in Uptown. Previous to that, its first location, and it was at a Christian coffee shop, and it was stand-up and improv, and the Christians didn't really want us after a couple weeks, and I'm like, Andy, I don't think this is going to work out, buddy. Like, you got to find another location, because I don't... I mean, you could you can tell comedians to to not be controversial, and that's exactly what they're going to do. May 9th at eight o'clock. Anyway, so it's in Northeast Minneapolis. It's been going on for 15 years at Spring Street Tavern in the basement of it in Northeast Minneapolis. And I think it's like a two or four dollar cover, something like that. And uh there's two dollar tacos. Fun. Ooh. Yeah. You should come, Ryan. I'll put that's you on the list. Fun. That sounds a lot of fun. That sounds very cool. So when you say I'll put you on the list, mm-hmm. how many people can you put on the list? Like if if you were to have a hundred people show up, would they be pissed? Well, I don't say it to a hundred people. I usually yeah. It depends on how expensive the place is, honestly. And it depends on how empty it looks because they can always sell drinks to somebody. But you know, like when you're talking about comedy clubs, you know, like when I work at the house of comedy and stuff, I think you, you generally get like two passes, you know, per show or something like that, you know, and you have to ask and make sure that they can accommodate it. Cause if it's sold out there, you know, your buddy who wants to see it, but doesn't want to pay, he can sit in the bar. Right. And there's been so many things to buy tickets too. They just announced more state fair shows. Now we got REO Speedwagon and sticks. Yeah. I know the Doobie brothers are coming to town. Is it going to be with Michael McDonald or is it, it the other? It guy? is. It's with Michael okay. McDonald. Because remember, he was going to tour with him and then he backed out because he didn't want to get COVID. And I'm like, that's right. You're yeah. a national treasure. I don't want anything to happen to you. While we got Ryan, too, we want to ask, like we always do of all of our guests, because yes. we're always looking for new digital content. Mm-hmm. What What are you watching? So the dropout, um, it is about Elizabeth Holmes who started the company, the founder of the company called Theranos, which was the blood company where she supposedly came out with this new technology. And it's a, I think it's an eight or nine, uh, nine part series on Hulu. Very good, uh, Mm -hmm. intriguing, but it's Mm -hmm. all about uh, kind of her um, deception and the fraud and this, the whole story behind it, it's super intriguing. Um, I mean, she got Warren Buffett to invest. It is good. Yeah, it is good. I think it's just, there's something about her, just this, you know, she dropped yeah. out of Stanford mm-hmm. and started this, you know, started this company up and and then it kind of follows her through the story. But you got to see that one. You would like it. How about you guys? Well, uh, I just started watching the latest episodes of Better Call Saul. Okay. They came out on yep. the 18th. We're going to try a show called Money Heist, which mm. I have heard is really good, according to my friend Chopper Ron. And he's usually pretty good with his recommendations. Nice. Um, I love Succession. Yeah. That was fantastic. Uh, as a recovering alcoholic, there's no better show than Louder Milk. Mm. Uh, did you ever see Louder Milk on Amazon Prime? I haven't seen Louder Milk. Oh, it is the best. It's about it. a it's about a sober coach, 
And if you can imagine a guy hanging around probably 15 or so very dysfunctional people, if you can have any idea how many storylines that can give you, and it's really good. Uh, and then, of course, you know, uh, I want to watch Queen of the South. I hear that's good. I shut it off because it was too bloody. You might not like that one. I still want to watch Valhalla, the okay. prequel to uh, Vikings. So, I mean, yeah, you know, when you're in a wheelchair, you watch a lot of TV. That's what I do. How about um, the Apple Plus one, um, Ted Lasso? That is yeah. so good. I love Ted Lasso. I did too. That was Pops really, really Ted good. Lasso. I haven't. I don't have Apple uh, Plus. Yeah. Do it for uh, a month. You can do the, the trial for the month. And just binge watch Ted Lasso. Okay. Okay. I'm sleeping with a guy who has Apple Plus. I mean, that's how things work these days. Oh, <laughs> I'm trying to divide up the content, you know. Uh, but yeah, I've been watching a lot of Marvel stuff. I thought what you're saying was you were sleeping with everybody that had a different streaming service than you. <laughs> Not everybody. I'm just saying, like, it doesn't make sense to double up. Think of the world we live in now. Okay. We grew up having TV was all together. You can't have a TV right. all together. It's great. And now it's just like, you know, you want to see something and it's on this service or that. I mean, it is a wild world. You know, it's mm-hmm. just a wild world to get 15 different services. You can't keep track yeah. of what's on what. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Like if you're okay. talking to a guy online and all he's got is peacock, you're like, okay, move along. <laughs> get your shit together, man. Cut him loose. Cut that's, him just, loose that's just NBC, dude. All right. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Hey, you got to check this out. If you're into finances like I am, look at what happened to Netflix stock today. Netflix was the original streaming service, and they had everybody. Well, then people started sharing their username and passwords. And then all of a sudden, there's Hulu. And then there's Paramount Plus, And then there's yeah, yeah, all of yeah. them. Okay. What happened to Netflix today, though? Their stock went down almost 40% Ooh, time to buy. in one day. What happened? What happened, Moon? Are they shorting them? Is it is it like what they're doing to the AMC stuff? Were they shorting nope. it? Okay. Nope. What happened was they missed projections uh, for Ooh. amount of new users, and they also missed projections on earnings. I had just oh. talked to my finance guy maybe six weeks ago, and I'm thinking, you know, with all the streaming services I have, I know everybody else is doing that. We should probably sell Netflix. You know, you probably should have already sold it. Let's sit on it and see where their earnings go. <laughs> Boom. Well, wait, that, that's that's a terrible fight. But okay, Moon, sorry. Moon, do you have Peacock? I do. <laughs> I do. Peacock Plus. See, he's also not. He's also not single, Ryan. Just, <laughs> right. I'm just, right. I'm just making a comment. See, it's Peacock. true. No, you're funny. You're no, funny. it's funny. <laughs> I don't. I'm trying to think of. Uh, gosh, all the random streaming services. Yeah, that's a fun. That's a goal. Whole nother conversation. That's what I'll watch in uh, while I'm in hospice. Could be viral. Oh, oh my god. Oh come on. <laughs> Jesus. Oh my god. Way to end. Way to I'll end watch it. When I'm in hospice. Hey, you guys are fun. That's my conclusion. There you go. It's episode fifty-two. Moon P. Jug and Hobbs.